If there's one person coming, he's walking, holding a barrel of wine, and there's somebody else carrying a barrel or a jug of honey. And we're discussing a case where the honey is very good quality honey, such that it is worth more than the wine is worth. Meanwhile, the barrel of honey gets a crack in it, and the honey is dripping out slowly, but it's dripping out of the barrel. The the one who was holding the barrel of wine, poured the wine out of his barrel, and he put his barrel underneath the barrel of honey, so that the honey would drop into that barrel, and he saved the honey into his barrel. So he saved the owner of the honey from losing out on all of his honey, which is worth a very high price. And now he comes to the person who owns the honey, and he claims that he wants him to pay him for the wine which he poured out in order to save his honey. He saved him from losing out on his honey, and in order to do so, he had to lose his wine. So he claims that the owner of the honey owes him for the amount which he lost, meaning the value of his wine. Says the Mishnah, he can only claim his payment for what he did. However much somebody would pay someone to spend the time bringing a barrel and putting it underneath the honey, that's how much he can claim from him, and also if he's going to keep the barrel, now that his honey is found inside of his other, the other person's barrel, so he would pay him for that barrel as well. But he doesn't need to pay him for the wine which he lost out on. He's not responsible for that. And only in Omar, if the person who had the wine in his, in his hand said to the person who had the honey in his hand, when he saw the honey was dripping out of his barrel, he said, Atzil Eshelcha, I'll save your honey, but only if the Atonesli If you give me the value of what I'm holding of my wine. Only if he says that and the person agrees. So then, of course, the owner of the honey would be liable to pay the owner of the wine for the wine which he lost out upon in order to save his honey. Now, it's important to note that we're talking about a case we described the case in a specific way, that the honey was dropping out slowly of the barrel. But if there was a huge hole in the barrel and the honey was flowing out and it was totally in a state where the owner was not able to save it at all. So then the truth is, if the other person would bring his barrel and save the honey, the honey would actually become his. Because the owner of the honey loses his ownership over it, since it is in a state where the honey is being lost and the owner has no way of stopping it being lost. So if the only way of stopping it is really this person bringing his his barrel there, then he would actually become the owner of the honey, since the owner loses his ownership over the honey since he's not able to save it. So the Mishnah is not discussing such a case, but rather a case where the honey is dropping out slowly, so even the owner could technically save it in some way. Right, now the Mishnah brings a very similar example. If a river washes away somebody's donkey and his friend's donkey, and if nobody does anything, then they're both going to be drowned. His donkey is worth 100 zuz, and his friend's donkey is worth double, it's worth 200 zuz. So the owner of the 100 zuz donkey, he left his donkey alone, and his donkey drowned. And he did this in order to save his friend's donkey, and he ran after his friend's donkey, and he saved his friend's donkey, which was worth 200 zuz. Once again, even though he lost out upon 100 zuz in order to save his friend's donkey, he can't demand 100 zuz from his friend. He can only demand He can only demand the payment which somebody would pay someone in order to save his donkey.
If he told him, I will save your donkey, but only if if you pay me the value of my donkey, a hundred zuz, that way they would both be gaining in the end of the day. Then the owner of the 200 zuz donkey, which is saved, would be liable to pay him 100 zuz for the loss of his donkey. Mishnah in general, if somebody steals something and then something happens to the stolen item, even out of his control, and he couldn't have stopped that thing happening, and it occurred and the item was lost. The thief is liable to return the item, to return the item's value, even though what happened to the item was out of his control. He's got a mitzvah to return the value of the item. However, regarding land, it's different. Because land, technically speaking, can't really be stolen. When somebody takes hold of someone else's land, the ownership still remains totally within the hands of the original owner. And so the mission says, If somebody steals a field from his friend, from somebody else, in Taluam Asikin, and a group of officials took it from him forcibly, so in Makas Medinahi, if it's literally a plague which afflicts the entire country, meaning these officials stole and forcibly took hold of the land of everybody in the area, not just this specific land. So in such a case, Omeloi, the thief can say to the owner, Here is your land in front of you. I'm leaving and I'm returning it to you. It's just that these officials took it, but I'm returning it to you. He's able to do that because even had he not stolen the land, the same thing would have happened. So he is not responsible for paying the owner for his land. However, the Mahmasagazlan, if the reason why these officials took the land is because of the person who stole it, they wanted to take one of his pieces of land. So they took this land. So now Chayev, he is liable to pay the owner for the value of his land because he is the one who caused him to lose out on his land. So he is liable to set up for him and to give him the value of another field. Alright, now what happens if Shtofa Nohar, a river washed the field away, the field was flooded. Once again, this would have happened anyway, even if he wouldn't have been there. So since he is not considered to have taken the ownership of the land, and what happened happened out of his control, and would have happened anyway, so Oymeloi can say to the owner of the land, Here is your piece of land in front of you, you can take it. Because the exact same thing would have happened even had he not stolen it. Mr. Vobah, this is who steals from his friend, meaning he steals from somebody else. Or he borrows something from somebody. Or somebody else gave him an item to look after, to guard for him. And he received the item from the owner of the item by Yishuv in a settled inhabited area, in a regular town or city. And after he stole it, for example, he decides, I'm going to do tshuva, and I'm going to return the item to the owner. He can't return the item to the owner in the middle of the desert. Because the owner can turn around to him and say, I don't want to have to schlep it back to the town, or I'm nervous that carrying it in the desert will cause it to be lost. It's a dangerous area. And so since the thief or the borrower or the guard of this item received it in an inhabited area, the owner can demand that he's not going to take it back from him, except for in an inhabited area. However, if he, he borrowed it, for example, or he accepted to guard it on condition that he's able to take it out into the desert, so then the owner no longer has a claim like that, that he's nervous something might happen to it in the desert, or a similar claim like that. And therefore, in this case, he would be able to return the item to the owner in the desert as well. That is the understood agreement between them.
Mishnah Zayin, if let's say Ruvain says to Shimon, he makes a claim to Shimon and Bastin, saying that you stole from me, and Shimon agrees, Shimon says to his friend Ruvain, it's true, Gizalticha, I stole from you, or in a case where let's say Ruvain claims that Shimon borrowed from him, and Shimon agrees, he'll be sunny, you lent me money, or if Ruvain claims that he gave Shimon something to guard for him, and Shimon agrees, if Kadato Etzli, you gave me an item to guard and to look after, However, the idea, I don't know if I returned the item to you or not. Reuven claims that he didn't return it to him and that he still owes him that item. But Shimon says, it's true, I definitely took it from you, but I can't remember, I don't know if I gave it back to you. In such a case, Shimon is liable to pay Reuven for his item because there is a rule that Bori Veshema Bori Odif. If somebody makes a certain claim and the other person makes a doubtful claim, then the certain claim is more strong. And for now we're going to understand that's not always the case. But if there is a default position which says that he should really be entitled to something or that he is the owner of something, and he makes a certain claim and the other person makes a doubtful claim, so then his claim stands and he would take that money. So in this case, the default position is that Shimon owes Reuven money, because even Shimon agrees that he stole from him. So now that Shimon is in a state of doubt as to whether he gave back the money, and Reuven says that he is sure that he didn't give back the money, so Reuven's Bori claim, his certain claim, is stronger than Shimon's Shemo claim, his doubtful possible claim that he doesn't know, and therefore Chayv Shalim Shimon is liable to pay Ruvain for his item. Aval, however, in Omar Loi, if Shimon said to Ruvain, I don't know if I even stole from you at all, or if you lent me money, or if you gave me something to guard. So now, what is the default position? Not that Shimon owes Ruvain money, but that Shimon has money and Ruvain is claiming that money from Shimon. So it's true that Ruvain is making a Bori claim, a certain claim, and Shimon is only making a possible claim, he doesn't know. However, the default position is not such that Shimon owes Ruvain money, and therefore the rule of Bori Veshem and Bori Odif would not apply, and Potomela Shalem Shimon would be exempt from paying Ruvain for the item which Ruvain is claiming.